0: When I ask my customers where their best where their best customers come from, nine times out of 10, it's going to say word of mouth or referrals, right? That's almost always the answer. And then my next question is, okay, well, what is your process for asking for those and gaining those? And then it's a blank stare. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz podcast, your weekly jolt of all things
1: digital and inbound marketing brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to another episode of Inbound Buzz, I'm your host Moby Sadiq and thank you so much for joining me. Have you missed me? Because I've missed you guys. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and I hope you're pumped, positive and eager to learn from wherever you may be tuning in to the show. Now before I bring you Inbound Week, so as of recording this is Inbound Week, I'm. I am just pumped. I don't know what to do with myself and I'm not going to start because there's going to be a lot of content. you're gonna hear from me this week. We're going to have our inbound inbound pop-up interviews. Um, I'm sure there'll be a wrap up, and uh, we're going to try to get as many experts on the mic as possible. But before we do that, let's talk about small business. So the idea of running a small business with the limited time, constraints, and resources that we have, and all the things that we're supposed to do. Well, Mark Fortune, knows it better than most. He grew up out of a family home business growing up um, and he's worked for some of the biggest organizations which I think is always handy, like it's always handy to speak to someone who's who's played on both sides, sides of the spectrum, big businesses and small businesses and now he runs his agency in uh, Arkansas, you know, the United States, purely focusing on small business. This guy is a legend when it comes to that sort of stuff, he's uh, written a couple of Amazon bestsellers which he'll talk about. And he's got a lot of practical tips to share. So, without further ado, let's get straight into it and learn a thing or two from the Mark Fortune. Mark Fortune is a big believer in small business. Growing up around a small business as a kid, Mark gets firsthand the challenges of competitive pressure of time and cost constraints that small businesses have. It's only fitting then he now runs his own firm called Fortune Marketing in Arkansas in the US to help other small businesses in turn. He's also an Amazon bestseller author of the book Local Legion. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Inbound Buzz. Thank you so much for having me, Moby. I appreciate it. Awesome. Mark, why don't you fill in the gaps a little bit about my little intro there about who you are and what you do?
0: Sure. So uh, I opened my business, Fortune Marketing, four years ago, and this was after a 20 plus year career in sales and marketing for corporations of all sizes, large, you know, billion dollar publicly traded ones and small startups and small local businesses. And finally, after I was about 21 years of doing that, I had an opportunity to sort of jump ship out of the corporate world and open my own business. And uh, I work with exclusively with small businesses, mostly local small businesses, mainly, you know, trying to deal with all the frustrations of primarily online marketing or just finding the time and the energy and the right strategy to, to market at all. Because most of the time my clients, you know, marketing is the thing they do on Sunday evenings from 9 to 10 p.m. right before they go to sleep. And it's, you know, the 10th full-time job they've got in their business. So we just try to get a process and get a strategy in place to make things smoother, easier, and, and a lot more effective.
1: Mm, awesome. So growing up, uh, you grew up, your father owned a small business.
0: Yes. My Um, father was in the beverage distribution business for 50 plus years, I think.
1: Wow. Awesome. So you, you understand you've, you've seen it firsthand. What are some of your most vivid memories about your father and his business?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a lot of it was just growing up in the business, right? He was, you know, he was a beverage distributor. So I'd be in the warehouse while they're loading trucks and packing trucks to go out to accounts. And, um, you know, the, marketing in the traditional sense wasn't something they had to do a lot of, but they had to maintain all of their relationships, right? So you're dealing with both the manufacturer um, um, of the product as well as primarily the retailers and the retailers are, you know, small convenience stores, grocery stores, those types of establishments. And you're sending out drivers every day. You're sending out a sales force every day to sell the product, collect, collect receipts, um, remove damaged product. If there was any take returns, bring product back and, and, and advocate for new products. So it was just day to day, you know, hand to hand combat of, of growing a small business, you know, making sure your product was in the retail business more prominently placed than the, than the other guy's product and fighting for shelf space and floor space and all that sort of stuff. And I just really enjoyed it. Cause you see what happens day to day, right? Mm. I mean, my experience in, in the corporate world was, you know, past a certain level, you're sort of remote from what happens in the business day to day a lot of times. And it's hard to see the results of what you put in, but you know, in small businesses, like the ones I deal with and like the ones I grew up with and grew up in, you just, you, you see the results day to day, which for me is much more impactful.
1: Mm, and I've, I've heard you speak about this. It's, it's, it's what you live for. You can make a small growth hacking change and see something actually happen. And if that doesn't work, move on. I'm, as opposed to turning the big ships that you used to work for. So <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah
0: sure. the cycle of change happens very, very fast i mean if if um you know today I'll work with a client today and we'll decide to publish certain new content or um, amplify certain content on facebook and and Twitter, and we'll see engagement results pretty quickly, right, or we won't, and we'll decide, well, maybe that's not the content that we needed to do, and we need to switch tax to something else, but you can tell very quickly, especially now, faster than ever you know, the impact that your activities and your strategies are having on the, on the market. Mm.
1: So I want to ask you a hypothetical because I, I was reading up on your bio and, and your history and what you did. So knowing what you know now about marketing and strategy, uh, not necessarily digi- digital, let's, let's park that for a second. If you could go back and tell your give your dad some advice or give him some sort of business advice, if you could kind of transplant your, your head now into the, the boy that was Mark Fortune at the time, what would you say with the tools at the time, so not, not the digital stuff that we have now, what advice would you give you?
0: I think I mean it was a very successful business, so there wasn't just a ton that you know needed to be fixed all the time. There's always operational tweaks you can make I think it probably um, you know this was in a, a fairly small town in in Arkansas, so not you know not necessarily the cutting edge of innovation, but maybe new product innovation would have been something to think about, not necessarily creating new products but you know this was probably in the way where say bottled water and fruit juices t- started to really take on a place in the market and getting in early on where that market was headed for product placement and for distribution rights and expanding the product line probably would have would have helped the business grow uh, grow quite a bit. I think that would have been interesting to do it, and what happens is you get just used to doing what you're doing right and it's sometimes innovation and thinking of different and better ways to do things tends to take a backseat to just the day-to-day grind of getting product out the door, operating the business and, and making things work. So I think that would have been, you know, there was probably some missed trends and missed opportunities in, in all of that that we could have taken better advantage of.
1: See, and that's, that's amazing. I mean, that's not why I asked you the question, but you, you, it just reveals an insight there. Uh, too many times small businesses, business owners are working in the business, not on the business, having that opportunity right. to have that bird's eye view, right? So, you know what? No, we can actually move this in a direction here or there. That's, that, I think that's quite telling no matter what year you're looking at. So if, if we're looking at the year 2017, what are some of the mistakes you see now? What are some of the marketing mistakes you see small business owners make? Um, and, you know, how should they rectify that?
0: There's probably two big ones. One is just um, absence, right? <laughs> a lot of times it just, mm. they just don't do it. I mean, you know, a lot of small businesses and it's not because they don't want to. Um, it's, it's just, they can't get around to it. Um, and that can happen for a variety of reasons, but the other big thing I see is idea of the week syndrome, right? There's so many different ways in so many different channels to get a message across to a, to a consumer or to a customer these days that they switch too often. And it's sort of the throw it up against the wall and see what sticks sort of syndrome. And if it doesn't work immediately and immediately means sometimes I've seen instances of within an hour, but usually, wow. you know, that week. You know, they'll try mm. something else. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times when I sit down with a new potential client, um, we talk about everything and they say, well, we tried Facebook. I'm like, well, okay, well, what did you do? Well, we updated our page four times one week and we didn't get anything. So we stopped. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we tried pay-per-click. Well, what did you do? Well, we pumped a thousand dollars in it one month and we couldn't get anything out of it. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lack of, a lack of process and a, lot, a lack of strategy and a lack of system for, for getting things done. So, you know, time and focus are really the two big gaps I see. It's not knowledge. Everybody knows what's great about their company. Usually when you dig a little bit and who they want to target, if you ask people who their best target, um, who their best customers are, everybody can tell you, but very few of them have them documented in personas and a strategy against attracting more of those, right? That's really, really at the, at the long tail end of the bell curve. If you, mm-hmm. if you it that way.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, just to, just to unpack that a little bit. So they are not, okay. So, so, so take, take me back a step bit. They (laughs) are looking at the fact, um, as a small business owner, why, why is that? Is it, is it, you think like, okay, I've spent $50 on, on, on a Facebook post is it because of a lack of strategy commitment or is it because of distractions in everything else that's happening?
0: I think distractions are a part of it and it can certainly compress the time, right? Because it, it, it's not technically extremely difficult to learn. We'll take Facebook advertising, for example, it's not technically very difficult to learn how to do Facebook advertising. Well, matter of fact, it's unbelievably easy to run an ad, right? I can, Mm. I can log on now and have one running in 30 seconds. And I think, but to do it well is a, that's a completely different issue, right? I can spend money on Facebook instantly. Can I spend money well on Facebook? Well, that's a little bit of a different question, right? And I think it goes back to that whole strategy argument. They have to have, they need to know who they're trying to, trying to talk to, right? And just hitting boost for $20, doesn't get you there if you don't know how to choose the right audience and the right target to try to get your message across. And that takes more time. And by the time they get around to putting that sort of effort in, they're distracted on the other things. Right? So I think a lot of it, it's, it's sort of a dichotomy. There's not enough time to get it right, but there's always sort of time to do it over. It's mm-hmm. sort of it's, as I see that a lot. And my argument is, well, let's take the time to get it right on the front end and figure out who you're really after and most profitable products and services unique differentiation. It's really, you know, standard marketing strategy sort of stuff. And then we'll put the tactics in afterwards. You know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of strategy before tactics. And with small businesses, that's sometimes a difficult conversation to have because they're so tactical all the time, right? Everything's flying in the door instantly. And there always has to be responded to. So to stop the badness long enough to get some things going and line some things out can can often be a challenge. And at the mm. same time, all the Online channels have made it so easy to spend money. It's easy to just sort of throw money at it. Um, and it's many, many times in a very untargeted fashion.
1: It's like you say, there's, there's never enough never enough time. But the moment my competitor, he's doing an Instagram ad and he got 50 likes on it. I mean, that could have got nothing or, or we need to go do that. So <clears throat> to your point about strategy, I think the, the other thing that makes that so fundamentally gives that fundamental focus is no, we've got this on a page now. Like we've defined it. We've all bought in on it. We need to stick on this before we start steering the ship. Yeah, we can be quite, you know, like quick and agile, but we need right. to stick with this strategy. So it's, uh, that, that's well, the other I'm thing always, as well.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm always happy to have a conversation with my clients about, okay, well what's changed and let's evaluate it. Right. And maybe there is an emerging market opportunity you know, something new they've seen, or if they're really doing their, their research, they're finding out customers are using their product in a way different than what they had originally thought. So great. Let's evaluate that and adjust marketing plans for that new knowledge. But, um, most of the time it's just sort of bouncing all over the place and jumping around to tactics and the ones who get it right are the ones that sustain focus over time. And they're the ones that really sort of incrementally, um, you know, make the progress, however they want to measure it, you know, in, in leads and customers and conversion in social engagement and all those, all those indicators is, you know, consistent focus over time is what it takes, but it's real easy to get away from that if you're not Mm -hmm. careful.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So, okay. So say a small business owner comes to you, right? And says, and maybe this is veering away from strategy. Maybe it's tactical. Uh, I don't know, but say a small business owner comes to you now and says, look, Mark, I have very little time and not a great deal of money, but I know I'm supposed to do something online. What are two or three tips you can give me? Like, Can you give those tips or is it, is, is that even the wrong question? But
0: I'll, le- I'll let you answer that in your own way. Sure, um, I'll always give the tips because I'm always gonna answer the question that I'm asked, right? If somebody says I'm trying to figure out Facebook marketing or search engine optimization or my website, we'll absolutely address that tactical end of it. But we'll also ask, well, why is it there, right? Who are you trying to target? What is unique about your company versus the others that are out there in your business? I'm going to move because the sun is right in my
1: eyes. Yeah, I mean, talk, <laughs> talking about being agile, right? Sometimes we got to move. We'll just,
0: we'll just unhook the computer and, and move over to a different part of the, the home office here. There we um, go. In beautiful Arkansas so behind it's, you. Yeah, sorry. So, okay, there we go. So, and, and I had this conversation with a client yesterday. They came in and said, well, my Facebook is all messed up. And so we'll go in and we'll look, you know, what's going on. Are they posting? Are they getting likes? Is there spam activity going on? But we'll also say, well, you know, why are you on Facebook and who are your best customers and and what is unique about your business? If I ask your best customers, what's unique about their business, what are they going to say? Um, and tell me a story, right? Tell me a story about when you've really come through and delivered. Well, that begins to craft the message that we can use through whatever channel it might be, including, fixing their Facebook presence. If, if, if that's what they're sort of laser focused on. Um, but you've got to work the strategy in there. I don't, I, I learned early on in this business, as you can tell, I'm sort of bent on marketing strategy, but it, in my early customer engagements, I spent far too much time on it. Right. And a small business owner needs the phone to ring, right? They need, they need leads, they need business, they need growth. So you've got to balance, you know lining it out for the long term with what can have an impact in the near term. And that doesn't mean we just start throwing money at stuff, but usually we can find some some near term opportunities to generate positive results for folks.
1: Mm-hmm. What have you found um in 2017 what what's worked for your clients this year quite well? A couple of things that have worked quite well at a tactical level.
0: Yeah, in the uh, in the sort of awareness top of funnel sort of gauge. You know, when you're getting people to know, like, and trust you, um, if you know, I don't mean to keep harping on Facebook, but it's just, that's where all the eyeballs are. Right. I mean, that's where everybody is. Um, and in a lot of the local small businesses that I work with, it's usually the thing they understand the least. So lining out some basic things can usually begin to build their presence and and start generating some results right away one of the first results we go after, and then this is not just with Facebook, but it applies to so many other sites is reputation management, right? Getting, getting reviews. It's rarely, everybody mm. sort of used the instance. So, yeah, so, so
1: explain that for
0: those, the folks who don't know what, yeah, so that's yeah. getting, um, your business reviewed, hopefully positively the whole four and five star thing on all the right sites. So, you know, the, the minimums typically are Google and Facebook, and a lot of times Yelp is probably right behind that. But if you're in a vertical, you know, um, business, there are dozens of reviews and directory sites out there. Like if you're in the home trades house, home advisor, Angie's list, if you're in the medical field, health grades, um, if you're an attorney, Avvo, Avvo is a big one. And you've got to manage your presence there and then ask your customers to review you. If you're not game in the system, it's not a, a spam sort of thing having a process and a system for positively asking your customers to rate you and review you influences um, search rankings. And more importantly, everybody knows when they search on their phone and they look for fill in the business in a town, you look at those map results and they see the search, the five star ratings right up front. Mm -hmm. So your, your online presence, your reputation online is a referral channel. Um, I might not know who's writing that review, but I see more four and five star reviews and what looks like honest reviews on a given business before I do business. Those are referrals. That is digital word of mouth and companies know it and nothing frustrates a business owner more than getting ranked below a competitor that they know they perform better than, or at Mm -hmm. least they firmly believe they perform better than and usually reputation management's one of the first things where we can, we can help them do that. But you've got to have a system for asking and publishing those reviews and handling customer Mm -hmm. service issues where there are.
1: Mm, so you can actually get those reviews. How, how, hard, uh, what are some of the ways you facilitated those? Like some of the ways I've seen is, um, you know, for, for clients who don't have the marketing automation system, which I have a question about that later for you is having a template, right? If you have a great, like it's kind of simple business that doesn't really have a lot of tech savviness, um, having a simple template where, when you actually get a good, uh, interaction condition to send that email out. Uh, another way I've seen is uh, possible sort of feedback forms or, you know, inserting them in, uh, you know, bills or whatever. What are some of the other ways? Cause I, I, some clients are better, like, or some businesses do it better than others. Others are like, well, you know, Dave, did you, did you do what I told you getting those reviews? Like, oh no, we'll get around to it, but they, they can't. So what are some tactical ideas to actually get some referral conditioning going
0: Yeah. You touched on two of the ones that we use a lot. Usually typically work pretty well, almost always depending on the, how the business operates. But if there's an office environment or a physical location um, there's almost always a staff training need that needs to be done. And it's not a big Mm -hmm. deal, but you just sort of have to put in a business process to say, this is the way we do things, right? When patients are leaving the office or when customers are leaving the office, we always make sure we ask for that review. And sometimes it's, sending them away with a, with a, with a postcard or a business card. That's, you know, may have the URL on it, setting up a dedicated review landing page to to do that in there. So mm-hmm. that's one. And usually that person to person to ask always, almost always works the best of all. Um, the second would be sort of an automated an email, um, a drip email funnel sort of thing, a review funnel, um, campaign. That's automated. Don't ask a lot, right. Ask near the time of service. Um, and ask, you know, two or three times, maybe within a week, and then that's it, right? And then they're unactivated because you don't want to, you know, blow out people's inboxes or feel like you're spamming them or anything else and always make it permission-based opt-in. The, the third thing that I've seen work pretty well, and this is really good with companies that have, service businesses, typically if you've got people out in the field, serving your customers is you can sort of gamify it, right? You still do the person to person ask, but your technicians are asking for that at the point of service. If you're a plumbing business and you've got technicians that work for you, make sure they ask at the end of every service call. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, same for any home trade business and by gamified, I mean, you know, set it up in the office as a contest, right? Whoever gets pulls in the most positive reviews this week, is entered in a, in a, in a contest. Now you got to do it right. Professionally. You don't want to, um, incent something or or, or, or create any sort of false reviews or anything like that. But I've mm-hmm. seen, I've seen businesses, um, you know, set this up and have branch offices compete against one another and it becomes just a, a, an incentive and a daily motivation in the business to one do business well because only great reviews count. <laughs> and two, um, you know, compete against one another and have a little bit of gamification in figuring out, you know, branch a is better than branch B. Um, and that can really turn out positive results and it leads to better customer service too. Cause people know that they're watching and then they're going to be asked to review.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's just a self fulfilling prophecy. That's thank you. That there's some great ideas there. The landing page gamifying it. I think it's a great way to get some of the less sales or, or customer serving kind of people into it as well. It's a good idea. So, um, Speaking of a different type of, you know, referral, you know, more kind of leads, right? So I know for myself, and this is something that doesn't get spoken about a lot. There's articles and content about video and Facebook and everything, but we don't talk that much about referral marketing for some reason. Right. And it, I know most of my really, really good business comes from referral, Uh, not only does it come from referral is the buying cycle is so much shorter because of that trust. So do you just wait for referrals or is there a strategy? Are there some ideas to facilitate referrals?
0: Yeah. So, and you're absolutely right. When I ask my customers where their best, where their best customers come from nine times out of 10, it's going to say word of mouth or referrals, right? That's almost always the answer. And then my next question is, okay, well, what is your process for asking for those and gaining those? And then it's a blank stare, right? And, and it's like, what do you mean almost always sort of, sort of viewed as I mean, basically happy accidents before we start working with somebody. It just, they're great when they come in, I have no idea where the next one's coming from. Right? So yeah, to your question, you need to put in a system because you're right when a referral comes in, they're sort of past know and like they're into trust and try sort of stages, right? They've sort of zoomed to the front of the line in your sales funnel or your hourglasses as I refer to it. And, you know, think about what makes you referable and tell people, you know, I'm really big in a, in a professional services business like mine. I'm really big on, you know, being referable and then asking for it by educating people as to what you're going to do with that referral once you get it. So I'm a, um, I'm a marketing services provider for small businesses. So I work with, you know, my best referral partners are ones who also serve small businesses. And that's typically, A lot of times it's accountants or attorneys or financial planners. And when I sit down, you know, to start building a relationship with them, the first thing I'll do is ask what's a good referral for them, right? Help me refer you and tell me what you're going to do with that referral when I hand it to you. So I understand your process. Mm -hmm. And then we do the same thing back to them. Well, here's what a good referral for me looks like. And I educate them on my ideal persona, right? And here's how I'm going to handle that when you ask it to me, because I don't want a referral partner To risk their credibility without knowing what I'm, how I'm going to handle that. Right? It's not the the sort of hand me five names and I'll give them a shout sort of thing really doesn't work. Um, And it, and it sort of risks the credibility of the person who handed you the referrals. But if you tell them, first thing I'm going to do is offer to send them a free ebook on marketing strategy or the seven steps to small business marketing. Um, if they respond to that, I'll call and say, let's set up a time for a free assessment of what's going on with your marketing. And then I'll assess and go on from there. And I'll update you as to where that referral is as we go. If you think about it in those terms, you know, making it easy for people to refer you and educating them as to what you're going to do with that referral when it comes in, you'll, you'll begin to see that they come in as a regular, on a regular basis. Um, I have a colleague in the duct tape world that has an unbelievably complex spreadsheet where he basically awards points up and down his referral chain when they come in. And it's very impressive. It's more than I can do, but that, it's a wonderful system of understanding what a referrals work to you, having a contact plan for staying in touch with those referrals, working with partners to generate more, and then closing more business over time.
1: Mm, it's not, when you look at it that way, it's not just a fluke. It's not just a lucky or an accident as you call it. Yeah.
0: You've got, I mean, there's a reason why it happened. Right. And it happened because you're good at what you do. So it's just, it's like all marketing. You got to get the word out to the right folks that, that you've got the, the solutions for the challenges they're facing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just quickly, you mentioned something. Um, what'd you say? You said, uh, learn and like they've moved past learn and like, and onto the trust and try. Is, is that a model? Is that, is that called something?
0: Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a duct tape marketing consultant, um, mm-hmm. master level duct tape marketing consultant. I've been in John Chance's network for, Oh, nearly well, as long as I've had the business so almost four years now. Um, and it's, it's a concept we use called the marketing hourglass. So it's, it's seven stages, no like trust, try, buy, repeat and refer. And it's the, the old adage is that the funnel's only half right. Right. You know, once cause so much marketing is as soon as we get them to buy something, we're done, right? We don't ever talk to them again. Like, well, if you take that funnel and flip it over, you've got an hourglass. And once you've got them to try your product or service and buy from you, you need to think about what it takes to encourage repeat buys, upsells, cross sells. And then obviously you want to turn your best customers into referring customers. Um, Cause that's the most profitable way, way to grow. So it's, it's a framework I use really to orient, all steps of the customer journey. When I'm working with a client, we align all of our marketing tactics to, you know, is this piece of content more a um, no like, you know, awareness type of, of content or is it more encouraging repeat buys or refers? Cause it's further education about what the company does, but that's, that's the framework we use.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I'll link to that as well. The marketing hourglass, correct? From yes. Tape marketing. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Trademark duct tape marketing.
1: <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah, i'll link to that as well because i i know you're is it a diamond or is it a master it's one of those right master
0: yeah, I'm, a, I'm a yeah master level and that's master. that's where there's certified consultants and then master level consultants and we've all i think there's about there's over 100 of us worldwide now awesome awesome
1: it's like a black belt in marketing it's amazing right there you go okay so um I think time poor is almost kind of become a bit of a, a theme for this, this podcast. I think so particularly for businesses who are already time poor, I think it's a travesty not, and I, I actually, this might be a little bit different because in Australia we're, we're we're a couple of years behind when it comes to marketing automation um, and, and a couple of other things in the marketing world as well. Um, but anyway, f- f- from my point of view, I think it's a travesty. People don't know enough about it because marketing automation can buy back so much time if you're investing in that. Right. So, where do small businesses begin? And very quickly, what is that maturity plan? Is like, look, we'll just get a newsletter and we'll start automating our contact forms. Um, what does that maturity model look like? And, and seriously, like, where do they begin? Because some of these platforms can be pretty expensive. What do you What are your thoughts
0: on that? Yeah, well, I mean, it it, it sort of depends on where you start. I I would say most of my clients come in with no automation, really. I mean, really really none. And um, even still to this day, there's still a lot of them that aren't even proactively collecting um, email addresses and asking for that opt in at the point of customer contact. So we've got to start that to begin with. Um, You know, there's tons of every once in a while you'll see the whole is email marketing dead sort of thing. And there's usually, as soon as that's written, there's 10 counter articles written that, no, it's not dead. And it's one of the most valuable assets that you can have. And I, and I absolutely agree with that. I think a good, high quality opted in email list that you communicate with regularly in education and valuable ways, not just hard sales all the time. It can really be one of the most valuable assets in your company, but you have to do it. And so a lot of times, sort of the the most beginning end of that maturity model is just a simple email list and autoresponder, right? And the, the tools for that, most of the email, you know, big email providers, that's free up to a certain level mm-hmm. um, for quite some time until you've really begun to grow your contact list. But once you begin to do that, and you see the the open rates and the click throughs and the, and the links begin to come on that and you 're working at that, the sort of the next level gets into um, probably a little more advanced segmentation, a little more social media integration probably with your lists, and you know depending on the package, the tools can begin to cost a little bit of money, but usually once you 've gotten to that point, you can make the the investment work right the ROI model works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me it's, it becomes important to segment your list, right? Understanding, you know, sort of and we can use the marketing hourglass for that sort of understanding where in the customer journey your various parts of your list are, and then communicating with them that way, right? Somebody who's never heard from you before should see a different um, communication stream than somebody who's tried your product, but hasn't bought yet, which is different than somebody who's bought your product, but hasn't bought recently, right? And begin to, Begin to segment that list is really where it goes. And yes, you need to do the technical hookups from your forms. Need to connect to your email provider, and you know, as as you and I know, if 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 you built your site correctly, it's really not that hard to do once you've done it. It just takes a little bit of time. But you know, there's still tremendous opportunity out there. At the same time, the other thing I'll throw in, and this drives me crazy when I see this with my clients, I see clients who've invested in automation and like never turned it on. It's an address book, right? It's a glorified address book. Yeah. yeah, that's exact. I was going to say Excel spreadsheet, but yes, yeah. you're exactly right. Um, they've they're spending all the money and made all the investment in this. You know, they've they've bought the the mother of all tools, and they're basically using it as you know just a step up from an Excel address book, right? It's just got names and emails, and they're not using half of what they've got out there, and when I see that they're usually beyond the point of frustrated and if they haven't cut it off yet, they're going to very soon. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for the automation providers. I know they do a lot of education. Um, a lot of what I see is probably not nearly hands-on enough for the beginners that it, that it needs to be. Um, on the one hand that's opportunity for me, but at the same mm-hmm. time, um, it, it, I think it holds the market back a bit. At least that's what I see here.
1: It's just one of those uh, those shiny tools that people get excited about, and then they don't have that strategy, and then it falls over. So it's a perfect example of that.
0: Well, yeah. It, yeah. there's one in particular that I won't I won't name, but they do a fantastic job of selling, and they do a terrible job of implementing. Right? <laughs> I mean, because I keep running into people who, you know, bought the tool on a wonderful package of deals, but they've never turned it on. And it's because the the sales rep bounced off to something else, right? So that onboarding and that one-on-one level sort of education is, is, is an opportunity for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: It's often, it's often not enough. So either you got to get savvy yourself um, or engage, uh, you know, a partner like yourself or who actually understands that strategy can help you with that. Cause it's not just, well, Onboarding of the technical stuff. Absolutely And
0: we and we went through it too when I implemented it in my business if you don't use the tools regularly You lose those skills really fast, right? You have to reiterate. Oh, yeah This is how I create a segment or this is how I build an automation or this is how a trigger works and it You know, it takes a while to figure that out You need resources that can help do that because if you do it once and then don't do it for a couple months You're gonna forget how you did it. Mm. (laughs) You gotta relearn it all over again.
1: Absolutely. just like everything else so, um particularly I'm really curious to get your point of view because you do a lot with small businesses and if if there's any small businesses learning are there any couple of tools that you recommend in your space, marketing automation tools that you think are worth kind of looking at? Obviously once you've looked at your strategy, so you don't turn it into an Excel spreadsheet. um, What what do you recommend?
0: Well, just I typically have, I typically get my businesses to begin with one of the automated email providers. And that can be, I, I tend to use MailChimp more than the others, but you know, MailChimp, Aweber, Constant Contact are all good tools for that. And you can do um, a number of things with them, including, you know, getting into event management and stuff like that with those. And those are wonderful and can be very inexpensive. Once you're sort of beyond and you want to get into the real automation, um, I'm using um, ActiveCampaign is a very good tool. HubSpot is always a great tool They you know, they literally wrote the book on on inbound marketing. And I think they've done a good job in the past couple of years of sort of moving down market um, to, to really small businesses that can get a lot out of their tools and even, you know, quite a bit of value out of their free, um, CRM tools and some, and and especially for B2B type businesses that can really sort of build into the, to the true, um, Salesforce automation sort of things that, um, if you're still maintaining your pipeline on a spreadsheet, um, and not really managing your deals all that proactively, something like HubSpot can really help. Those are, those are the tool sets i see most often and, and then i use a lot and then you know infusionsoft is in a lot of places when it comes to marketing automation and they do a good job it seems with e-commerce integration from what i've seen but mm. um, active campaign and hubspot in the full marketing automation suites are the two that i've, I've seen the most lately and, and tend to use the most
1: yeah that's good to hear actually because hubspot uh, ditto for me honestly hubspot uh, you know, for clients who can maybe afford it. And for those who can't active campaigns, always a very close second, but honestly it's, it's how you use it, you know? So those, those two are my favorites as well. Okay. So um, blogging, right? Is, is, is that something that you still think is important? And do you have any tip? And maybe this is part of this part two of the question. Do you have any tips on buying back time in that process?
0: Sure. So yeah, the first answer is yes. Blogging is absolutely important. I think content is, 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 in various forms, they could be blogs, infographics, videos, whatever it is. Podcasts um, is just incredibly important to educating a the market these days and getting people, you know, into your into your marketing hourglass. And it can be just the standard, you know, text-based uh, blog post with you know some compelling graphics and photos to illustrate your points. Um, it, it's just it's just critically important. And usually when people need to get started if they've never done it before or if they've sort of made false runs at it, you know, in years past, they wrote, they got real excited about it for a quarter and wrote six and then didn't do it again for two more Mm -hmm. years. Um, I typically have them start, you know, start with the basics. What do you get asked by your clients every day? right? Look at your sent folder in your email mm. um, box. And when you're answering questions, those are potential blog posts, right? Start with the, with the frequently asked questions. And you know, if these are the 10 things you get asked all the time, there's 10 blog posts, just expand on those. Um, in buying back time, cause typically when I'll, when I work with a client, they stare at me with sort of like a deer in the headlights and this, Oh my gosh, idea of, I've got to sit in front of a blank word doc and write a thousand words. That's just not going to happen. But if we are able to, um, what we've been doing lately is we'll just record it. I'll just interview you. Right. I'm just going to ask you a set of questions. We'll record the call. We'll get it transcribed real fast and then we'll just use an editor to polish that into a blog post that can buy back a lot of time because none of you know, small business owners don't have any problem talking about their businesses or the problems they solve. Right. They do it every day it's just getting them to stop the madness long enough to think about it in a marketing way to, to, to get things done. And we just did it with a client for the first time last week and she loved it because yeah. we were sort of in this, she was holding on to it real tight and she had to write it all. And you know, I could, I could see her staring in front of a blank word doc and just, you know, wasn't sure where to start. But if I just start asking questions and she starts telling me the answers to things she does every day with her clients, blog posts just flowed like that. We got three or four in a, in a one hour interview. Easy. That's so
1: cool.
0: we have a partner that does the work. I mean, she has a partner, it's me, but hey. <laughs> you know, we'll just, we'll just implement outside resources. It can, and it can be very inexpensive. I'm not saying I'm the cheapest blogging resource, but you know, um, rev.com rev.com mm. will transcribe recordings for a dollar a minute and it's lightning fast and unbelievably accurate. And you can have a lot of great content um, generated very quickly using some recording tools and things like that.
1: So the obvious ones come to mind. That's, that's an ingenious ingenious team. Thank thank you so much for sharing that. The obvious one comes to mind like, okay. Um, you know, what are the questions that your sales reps get asked or, uh, you know, what are your best, what are your best clients or your best personas or avatars or whatever definition you hold on to? What do they actually ask you? Where do you go beyond that? Is it, is it sort of like, because you know how there's different types and you talk about in the marketing hourglass but there's different types of content there's there's a lot of the bottom of funnel stuff but then there might be some lifestyle stuff you use to kind of you know pad up and you know, to get people to like you a little bit like sure. the best fitness apps or something right so do you use it for that as well or is it really just the bottom of funnel like do would you use it for uh you know i don't know the best apps for the accounting industry or something
0: yeah, you certainly can i mean you can you know it, it's asking, um, a practitioner, how they get their job done, how they got in the business, what tools they use, what has really changed in the business since they got in is, you know, really not very salesy content at all, but it really humanizes the business owner and the business to the listener or to the reader to think this is somebody I could do business with. Right. I love getting into those types of conversations with my clients and they don't think anybody wants to know this. Right. I have a client right now. who's the they own an electrical supply company, right? And I think they sometimes they tend to see themselves as, well, nobody wants to know this. They just want to know, you know, what price and how to buy these supplies and where to get them and all of that. But if you get to asking them, you know, it's a long-term 50-year-old family-run business, and you ask them, Well, how did you get in the business? Well, you know, we're three generations in and we do all this, then you've got stories, right? Then you've got compelling content that people like to see and read and go, oh, well, I didn't know this about that company. And I didn't know that this is how they got in the business. And I should think of them when I have this kind of issue. And, you know, folks tend to you know, think that their, their stories aren't all that compelling, but they actually really are because people don't know them. Right. Mm-hmm. You've, you've said it, you know, your whole life. So it seems the same thing boring old thing to you, but you know, your customers or your prospective customers are hearing it for the first time. So that can be very compelling.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I'm definitely going to uh, copy that idea. And credit, Mr. Mark Fortune, for that. I love okay, that. No good idea goes unstolen. Have at it. <laughs> there you go.
0: Absolutely.
1: Okay, so i mean moving away from digital, and it, I, I saw an article you wrote um, about. I think it was, what was it about direct mail? Direct, mm-hmm. direct mail, right? And I thought, oh man, that is so interesting. You wrote that because, like, tr- this year specifically, it's so funny. Like, you know, getting. Uh, I, I'm definitely not a, a, as as a, a veteran, and I mean that in nice. So I'm not saying you're old.
0: Not a veteran like yourself. You know, That's okay. Yeah, you're more experienced you. can't than tell, but there's a lot of gray hair in here.
1: <laughs> you got you got okay lighting now, so we can't tell. But um, but yeah, so like you know, particularly last you know, four or five years getting into digital, all in, right? And I'll even admit, even for a while, sort of started turning away all the other stuff. No, don't do radio, whatever. But this year, like some of my clients, I'm like, you know what? It's we, we gotta cast the net a little bit wider. Maybe we do some of these traditional media. So the article you wrote. About uh, direct mail, I, th- I thought was quite interesting. So, do you, do you think traditional media marketing is coming away? Is it, sorry, coming back? Should should we look at it a little bit more closely?
0: Um, I think certain forms of it certainly are. I think in in direct mail is a favorite of mine. And you know, if if yeah, if you go to the blog and read it, it's not about blasting out ten thousand postcards to any address you can find, right? It's it's about using modern targeting techniques to get direct mail to the right folks and creating pieces that are unique and worthy of an open, right? So sometimes it can be postcard sort of mailings. If you've got a clear and compelling message and can target it, usually that's best for a consumer based business in a local neighborhood, right? So it's very targeted, you know, your people are there, but a lot of times, especially in the business to business world or in higher ticket item sort of things, it's what we call lumpy mail, right? So it's sending, you know, nobody sends letters anymore um, nobody sends packages through the mail other than Amazon. So, you know, but if you send a box, you know, in the mail with a, with a compelling message and a good piece of content and an offer to educate somebody on what they're doing, it will get opened. It will get read and more often than not, it will get responded to because nobody else is doing this, right? So if you've got a, um, you know, if you're running a local coffee shop, that might be too expensive of a piece to 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 do, but there are other ways to target neighborhoods. But if you're, you know, an attorney or an accounting firm or a plumber or an electrician where your average transaction is in the hundreds of dollars, mm. you know, spending four, five, six dollars to get a piece in front of somebody can have a very powerful ROI. And people just don't think about it because it's it's yeah, it's 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 thought of as old, right? And I so I think direct mail can certainly, you know, can certainly work and does work. We use it all the time with my clients, but it has to be just like all marketing has to have the right message attacking the right types of challenges and business problems for the target market that you're after. I think that can apply. We do very little traditional, you know, broadcast media these days, but I hear media being done much better in many and many instances. Um, you know, there was, there's a flare up and I think it's probably still true that billboards have become very popular because everybody's still in their car and nobody's watching or everybody's time shifting television. So billboards Mm. are very important. Um, I think that can work. Um, and any more television and, um, radio is becoming hyper segmented as well. Right. And I think that's where podcasts come in. So, well, you know, it's a, it's a direct medium, but you know, you're pushing this out. So it's somewhat of an outbound tactic, but you can really, you know, people who listen to your podcast are of a certain type and of a certain kind and have a certain persona and certain challenges. So somebody who wants to talk to those folks, this could be a very powerful advertising medium for them.
1: I, I, there's a few things there you you said. I just really love, I mean, what digital marketing, if we take the learnings of, you know, the measure measurability frameworks and the CP cost per lead and cost per acquisition and use that thinking with traditional media. So like you talk about the lumpy mail idea, right? So like, you know, yeah, it might cost $6 and you might be like, oh, but that's a pain. Yeah, but if you look at digital marketing, you might have a a cost per lead. I've, you know, got clients who have their cost per lead is $50, $60, $100. They're, they're, that for them, it's actually profitable to spend $100 cost per lead because of the conversion rate and the profit, right? So right. Um, that's only going to cost you $6. That's going to be a lead. So that's such a great way to look at it. And
0: that's probably the biggest change I've seen across my career. You know, Yes, there's been a tons of different channels created, but I think what it's really led to is that it's made marketing far more accountable than it was you know, traditionally. And I think that now that you can have a conversation about cost to acquire and cost per lead and conversion rate, regardless of medium, um, is, is probably the biggest change I've seen in marketing over 20 years. And it's, that makes all mediums viable, right? It just depends on the math to a certain extent. Do we get enough people? Do we have enough conversations to yield enough, you know, leads to yield enough sales that justify the investment that we put in? for the cost, the, uh, the cost to acquire targets that we have.
1: Mm, absolutely. So final question, and thank you so much. You've been so generous for your time. It's, yeah. it's been sort of, there's been just gems in what you've told us today. Um, the question is around your book and I've, I've got a, a supreme fasc- fascination and respect for people who have taken the time, not only to write a book, but write an Amazon bestseller. And you obviously <laughs> wrote the local lead generation, right? So uh, two questions around that. The first one is, writing that book, what did that teach you? Also, you know, what did that teach you about the topic? But what did that teach you about yourself? The act of writing that book? Uh,
0: well, I'll, I'll take the second question first. What it taught me about myself was that I could do it. And I wasn't sure at all when we started it, right? I mean, you think about, um, you know, we talk, I mentioned a, a minute ago, it can be sort of intimidating to stare in front of a blank word doc to write a blog post. Imagine when you're trying to write a book. Oh, God.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. Like, I have no idea if I can pull this off. The way we handled that was one. I, I co-authored it with several other folks, and you know, we collaborated on the ideas and what went into it. We're all duct tape marketing consultants, so we come at it from a certain point of view, and that made things world easier. Now, I, you know, a colleague of mine, one of my co-authors, and I did all of the editing, and you know, so I've read that book. I can't tell you how many times. Um, and and it's it's a slog. So I learned a lot about just sort of. It's another lesson in persistence and getting through it, but it was amazing to go through the process and see how frankly achievable it is. Cause you think about, Oh, writing a book sounds pretty intimidating, but it can absolutely be done. And with platforms like Amazon these days, publishing's easier than it has been in the past. Um, what I learned about the topic was it was great in the sense that, you know, I had co-authors, so we all got to collaborate on, well, what is the best way to use social media for local businesses? And I had ideas and points of view and things that worked. My co-authors had ideas and things that worked in their points of view. And you get that together and you're like, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. Right. I haven't thought. We spent a lot of time for instance, on a, on a chapter on direct mail. And we learned a ton from one another just in the collaboration of, well, this is how this works or this is how I've had this work for say an auto shop or an electrician or a plumber or somebody like that. So it was, it was a wonderful chance to collaborate. It was a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not easy time wise and it's a lot of work, but it was, uh, it was well worth it. And it was a, it was a great experience and I, I would do it again for sure. Probably time to update the book anyway.
1: Mm, the addition
0: to, when, when when did that one come out? Uh, it came out about two years ago. So, uh, late summer, 2015, mm-hmm. so it's, it's been out a little while, but we're, you know, it's still selling. It's out there. I use it all the time in my business and, uh, um, it's, it's, it's been a great experience. I learned a ton about how to market a book. Um, you know, you, things you, you didn't think you didn't know that you didn't know. I didn't know, you know, I learned, I can't tell you how much about how to go about launching and marketing a book project when you do something like that.
1: That's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Cause I've got a book. I was looking over at my bookshelf. I've got a book from the alumni of, well, Mr. John oh, yeah. and Phil Singleton. I don't know if you can see
0: that. So yeah, um, yeah
1: if, if that book anything to go by, I think it was going to be great. So I'll definitely check that one, <laughs> check that one out too. And we had Phil on the show as well.
0: Yeah, uh, Phil's a great guy. He knows, he he forgot more about SEO yesterday than I've ever learned. Uh,
1: yeah, he's he's a, he's a genius. We, we had him on a couple of episodes ago. I'll link that as well if anyone's interested. Um, but yeah, I, I think everything that you guys do, everything that seems to come out of that camp is it just seems to be good, really good stuff.
0: Well, John's done a great job of, I mean, he literally wrote the book duct tape marketing that sort of lined out a framework and you know how I got into it was I was applying those principles as a sales and marketing director for a small business. You know, you get into applying the principles and you realize this stuff really works and you got the opportunity to go out on your own. You realize there's this consulting network and here I am. So it's, it's, it's been a wonderful experience.
1: Yeah, It sounds amazing. Final question about the book. What are what are some quick high level tips you can give to someone who is thinking about writing a book and and like you said sort of just, just scared crapless to do so?
0: <laughs> well, the 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 first tip I would think is the first tip I'd have is for one maybe this isn't a tip but believe that you can do it because you can. Um, if I can, anybody can. And when I launched this business, I had absolutely no idea that I was going to be an author and that I'd have a an author page on Amazon and that this that, that this was going to happen or that anybody would want to read it and they absolutely do so you know know that you can do it i think the second thing is you know open up that that blank word doc or that blank evernote pad and start writing down ideas and begin to form it into an outline um know that you don't have to do 100 of the writing all by yourself if you can collaborate with other authors that have similar points of view that's a that's a fast and, 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 wonderful way to get a book done. Mm. If you want to sole author it, that's fine. There's tons of professional editors out there that can help you craft ideas and shape it into a, in, into a real book. Um, and then just know that you're going to have to, you're going to have to sit down and get the work done. Um, these days, there's a lot of ways you can publish, um, snippets and advanced chapters and maybe even shorter versions as eBooks before you go for the whole book. But, um, you can, you can evolve your ideas as they go and it just you know, whether they're about anything. Um, you can certainly do that and there's a market for it. And the Amazon makes it very, very easy in their world to get a book published and available online um, very, very quickly and, and they make it about as easy as you can to, to get that done.
1: How long did it take you guys to write
0: the book? Oh, start to end about six months probably. I say that it might have been longer um, but you know, we were meeting every week for hours per week as we crafted ideas and shaped chapters and wrote new content and threw other content out and said, Oh no, don't forget about this. And so it's, it was probably six months or so of writing and then maybe another month or so to get everything published and up and running.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's almost like a mastermind in a book. So I'll definitely link to that. That's local lead generation. And I'm sure you can check it out on Amazon, as you
0: say. Yeah, So Mark, uh,
1: is there anything else you want to mention? Thank you so much for everything you've shared with us so far.
0: No, I, I appreciate the time. And, you know, when it comes to small business marketing, you just need to have a plan and focus and, and dedicate the time to get it done. But it's, it's a lot of fun and I love working with small businesses. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today.
1: Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, Mark. It's awesome to watch.
0: All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Cheers.